Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty, all things country, rural, and outback Australia. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Dusty. Firstly, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who has commented, liked, and shared and reviewed the last few episodes that I've done, the two-part episodes with Ron Pike. That was chatting about all things water, corruption, mismanagement, and the impact that it has on rural Australia, and as well as our water and food bowl, and my most recent chat of last week's episode with Michael Cummins, who has played a variety of roles in the emergency services team, and talking about the kind of impact that that has on that kind of emergency services family, and a bit of the difference between being in one of those roles uh, in the bush and in compared to the city, and we dove down the mental health train a little bit as well. So I feel in this part of the series, I'm now providing a bit more of a healthier balance of uh, education and entertainment across all things kind of country, rural and outback Oz, which was my objective in the first place. And I didn't really know how it would go, but I feel the more conversations that I've done, the more conversations that I've had with these kind of guests and sharing these kind of stories, I feel that, uh, yeah, it's doing well. I feel like I'm doing a good job. So thanks to everyone for all the support. And I'm going to continue uh, doing this because I get a massive enjoyment out of it, sharing stories and learning lots along the way as well. So massive thanks to everyone who has listened to the last couple of episodes. They're a bit more focusing on some more really important issues. But if you haven't listened to the first couple of episodes with uh, Nick Kappa, Tian Harris and Daniel Walker, that way you can still get a bit of an insight into some of the rural upbringings and uh, work environments that some of these people have been in, but it was, well, it was a bit of a laugh along the way. So this episode is a little bit different. We're talking to Tim Beach. Tim Beach was recommended to be on the show from a friend of mine, Beck Y. So thanks, Beck. She'll be on later in the series. Uh, as you'll soon find out, Tim is a man of many talents and he grew up in Warren, which is just on the outskirts of Dubbo. I'm not going to give too much away, so I'll just get straight into the episode. So here it is. Enjoy episode eight with Tim Beach. And if you haven't already... Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow the A Little Bit Dusty Instagram at A underscore Little Bit Dusty. That's where I post some photos from this episode and some other content that helps to keep me motivated to eventually go back out to the dust once all these uh, borders open up and once this whole pandemic eases a little bit. I hope that everyone's doing okay with these lockdowns and uh, we'll just see what happens when time goes on. Anyway, enough rambling on, we'll get straight into it. Here is episode 8 with Tim Beach. 
Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in. This is episode eight. We're going to do something a bit different today. This guy's a man of many talents and has many stories, as you'll soon find out. Uh, he was recommended to us from a, my other friend of mine, Beck Wise. So thanks, Beck. She'll be on the show later in the series. We are talking to Tim Beach. Tim, how you going, mate? Very well, thank you. Very well. That's the way. How's everything been uh, up your way in amongst this whole lockdown and pandemic and crazy COVID times? Yeah, look, I think we've been um, we've been pretty lucky at this stage. Um, I'm in I'm in Dubbo, which is uh, Central West New South Wales. Um, we've we've been lucky enough not. Uh, I, I believe we we haven't had a single case out here, so everything is um, everything's basically running as normal. The only you know we've just got to do the mandatory wear your mask and QR code into any place of business and that's that's sort of the extent of it at the moment you can you can still go to the pub you can still go to the gym you can you know all that all uh, all the normal stuff so we're we've been pretty lucky mate yeah and count, counting our blessings i feel a bit sorry for everyone that's sort of stuck in the city at the moment yeah no well gotta do what we can do i suppose yeah i'm just trying to but yeah be productive with make the most of each day i've still got a nice kind of area that i can go out for walks and getting into training that sort of thing too so i think it's just better than just withering away just sitting there scrolling through the feed or whatever i'm just yeah as long as I'm, everyone in my, in my situation and down sydney that sort of thing as long as you're optimistic i think that's the main kind of winner but um enough about that you're from a small country town called warren and for those who don't know warren's just a bit out from dubbo um in some of the little dot points you're giving us here you say you have a four thousand acre property mixed enterprise operation just out of the town what's the uh what's the story there so basically yeah uh warren warren new south wales uh it's about a it's about an hour an hour further west drive of Dubbo, um, and then and then I'm about um, our family farm's about 45k uh, out out towards a little another tiny town called Quambone. Um, but um, when I say mixed enterprise, oh, okay. I mean it's a we run both sheep and cattle, and we farm as well. So ah. currently, currently we've got about uh, it, it's probably half and half. Um, there's probably about a thousand acres there. Currently, we've got of uh, wheat and canola. Very nice. Um, and then we've got no, we're not we're not running any sheep at the moment. And then we've got um, we've got some cattle on there at the moment. Um, they've just uh, they've just sort of finished carving out, so um, we're in the process of um, getting them to ideal weights to sell into the market. And then um, and then we'll probably join the cows again, and so the cycle begins again. Excellent. Uh, you recently just moved from Warren to Dubbo and purchased a house there. So congratulations on that. What's uh? Thank you very what much. What made you want to? What made you want to move from uh, Warren to Dubbo? Well, it was sort of. I've I've been I've I've been based in Dubbo for a while. It's um, I, I suppose we've at we've at actually permanently moved from Warren sort of early two thousands, but we've obviously kept the farm. So we just the my father and I sort of just you know we 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 travel out. You can drive in and out in a day. Like it takes you about an hour and a half. It's a bit of a pain. Okay, but, you so know. just hop to and fro. Kind yeah, of thing. that's it. Like, if there's work to be done, we we just stay out there because we we've obviously got a house out there, so we'd stay out there for a couple of days and do a bit of work. But if you wanted to, you can go back out in the day. So it's no, you know, it's not a massive drama. Okay, oh, very nice. Um, you re- had a stint a while ago uh, in Sydney doing a bit of studies. What kind of studies were you doing there, and what uh, was the main objective of doing those studies? What did you want to try and achieve afterwards? Yeah, well, I suppose, I suppose, sort of leading up to that, like uh, um, after I finished school, I went to, I was fortunate enough to go to, to boarding school in Sydney. I went to St. Ignatius College Riverview in Lane Cove there, 
Okay. Um, so I did I did from year seven through to year twelve there. Um, absolutely love that. Um, you know, obviously all boys. So it's a, yeah, it's a very uh, there's plenty of testosterone running around in the in the boarding yeah. houses, and it's all it's it's everything cricket and everything footy. So um, that was good. But you know, going to going to a, a private school, I think is uh, you know I count my blessings for that as well. I think they instilled some pretty good values in you. Like we we're always the motto of the school is you know men for others. Um, so that's something that I think not only myself, but a lot of, you know, every other, every other Riverview boy that comes out of there takes and puts into practice, you know, throughout yeah, right. life. So I, I finished there in 2010. Um, oh, same year as me. Then I moved, yeah. Um, so, um, then I moved home, um, and I went straight into, uh, I went jackarooing. And for those that don't know what jackarooing is, it's basically, um, I suppose a farm hand is probably the closest thing that you, that you could call it um, in terms of, you know, a job occupation, but I, I worked on a Merino stud and a Merino is a breed of sheep, obviously. Yep. Um, renowned uh, for meat and their wool. Um, so I did that for about two and a half to three years. And, and, and I think that that's where, I think that's where I sort of confirmed my love of agriculture. Okay. Um, you know, I had an interest in it, prior obviously growing up on the land and you know I was you know riding motorbikes and doing sheep work for my grandfather and my and my father since I was you know since I can remember since I was a little young fella but then going into and 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 jackarooing and working on uh on the land 24 7 um with about there was about 10 other jackaroos and they were spread out through about four or five different properties so the company itself or the owner you know there's you're looking at probably like you know, 150,000 acres in total, ah. which is a massive amount of land. So that's where I fell in love with it. And mm. then I, I, I thought it was probably the best idea that I did some sort of study just so, you know, um, I had some sort of security. And if, and if anything ever fall through, I could, you know, I could have a degree to fall back on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So I went to, went, moved down to Sydney, moved to Manly. Um, and I'm not sure, are you f- very familiar with Manly? Yeah. yeah I'm, on, I'm, I'm based in the Northern Beaches. Yeah, cool. Went to ICMS, that big castle. Oh, yep. Oh, up right. on top of the hill there. Um, so I did that and spent the next four years living living in the northern beaches. Um, and I studied a Bachelor of Business and I majored property. Okay. I, and I did that just because, you know, I thought business is probably a safe bet. You can you can basically go into any avenue from there. Um, yeah. So that was, that was more of just a sense of security for myself, I suppose, and just to get something under my belt. You know, you just... You never know what life throws at you sometimes. So I thought it was pretty smart That's to have it, something yeah, under my belt. So that was the reason for doing that. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you recommend uh, you know, jackarooing for someone looking to do something completely different? Because from what oh. I've seen, it seems very hands-on, very go, go, go. And um, I've often window shopped a couple of ads and just kind of thought, oh, geez, I'd maybe would, yeah, wouldn't mind giving it a bit of a go, or a bit of a stint in the future just to kind of see what happens. But um, yeah, how, would you recommend it? Oh, I couldn't recommend it enough. I think, and you know, it was funny because um, when I started, there was, like I said, I think there was ten or twelve other blokes that started with me, and probably, probably half of those blokes were were green. And when I say green, I mean had never had anything to do with agriculture before. They they were from coastal areas, from the city. Oh, okay. um, they yeah, they come out and they they learn a heap, and it sort of broadens their perspective of what the agricultural industry is like and what sort of really goes on. Um, I've had 
you know, I've had cousins that are from that are from Sydney uh, do it for a year and absolutely love it. But I just think, I think there's a real sort of lack of education, as I was uh, sent through to you before, when it comes to agriculture. Not a, not a lot mm. of people that are from the coastal areas and city areas really know what it's like and and the type of work that actually goes on and some of the hardships that a lot of farmers uh, have got to face. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's, and that's been pretty evident throughout the last sort of five or six years. You know, I think that's probably, we've had probably one of the worst droughts, you know, covering that five-year stint period. And it's probably one of the worst ones we've ever seen. And it, and it certainly sorts the, uh, the men out from the boys, that sort of event. So, Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a very tough gig. But um, yeah, I think yeah, the lack of education, probably it's a, a lack of understanding of how kind of hands-on and all go, go, go the work is as well. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if there's if there's just a way that yeah people from suburban or coastline or city areas can be further educated in kind of how it all works out there, or either that or just going in there and just giving it a go yourself. Yeah, I think um, it's probably one or two ways. Um, like you said, to go out and experience, and I think I think you've got to I think you've got to give it a good crack if you are doing it and do it do it for a solid year so you can so you can really sort of get a solid foundation and understanding of of, of how it all works and you know, how that sort of the, the chain of supply works. Um, uh, you know, you sort of learn, you learn basically the steps from paddock to plate really. Um, wow. Which is, which is, I, I think is very important. Um, yeah, definitely. But then also on top of that, you know, if you're someone that doesn't have that time or you're not willing, I think even just meeting people or, you know, if you've got any contacts in rural areas or even if you don't, go out there, try and meet a few people and, and just try and get amongst the, the country lifestyle because especially now with COVID, I think that, you know, there's, uh, we're starting to see a lot, a lot more property sales actually um, from people that are, you know, looking to move from the, from those city areas out into regional areas. Okay. Um, and, and understandably so you, you look at our, our quality of life compared to, to you guys at the moment. It's, you know, like I said earlier, at the start of the episode. Yeah, you guys are still thriving. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, still, we're still all hunky-dory here. So I can understand <laughs> people are sort of looking into the future and they're, they're trying to foresee if that event was to happen again, that they'd probably want to be a bit bit further out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and probably be a bit more pre-prepared because, yeah, the usual assumption was that a lot of people would uh, either travel out to or retire into the country once they've kind of, you know, put the groundwork in the city and done their kind of things they want to tick off and then kind of use the, you know you know go out to those kind of areas to kind of relax and put their feet up a bit but uh, absolutely yeah if yeah. all things get a bit too hectic you know within times to come i'm pretty sure yeah you might be seeing a few more people hopefully myself moving out to one of those ways as well well it's it's yeah it's just hard to see what's going to happen at the moment i know like we, yeah you'd love to be the person that stands here and says oh you know we'll be we'll be right by next year but we the reality is we don't know just have no clue of what's going to happen yeah so it's yeah, we're literally playing it we're playing it day by day Mm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy times, but yeah, we'll just go see what happens. Now, you're in a very interesting sector of the real estate business. You work for uh, Ray White Rural in Dubbo. You work as a stock and station agent, agent slash kind of auctioneer. What's uh, surely that beats your standard house open for inspections and auctions? Hey, what are some <laughs> of the what are some of the highlights of working as a stock and station agent? Yeah, so um, well, for those that are unaware, what a stock and station agent is, it's it's. I suppose it's uh, it's somewhat a real estate agent, but for farmers. So um, we act as the middleman, sort of. We we buy and sell livestock on behalf of clients. Ah, okay. Um, 
So uh, Ray White, Ray White Rule, the company I work for in Dubbo, we're actually we're, we're privately owned. Uh, we have we, we don't have any association with just the with with the, the standard Ray White. Right. They so yeah, my my the owners of the company own the own the name Ray White Rule, um, but it's got nothing to do with. So we we actually don't do residential. We only do rural property. Okay. So you know, broad, broad acre, broad acre farms, and we we would never usually sort of you know we might do blocks that are close to town that might be 25, 50 acres. That's probably the smallest that we go. Wow. But we don't yeah we don't touch anything in town or any residential. It's all large scale property. Okay. Um, and then yeah, for the livestock, it's it's yeah, obviously uh, for farmers, you, your livestock is 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 uh is a main source of income. Um, so where I suppose where the experts, uh, when it comes to, you know, advising when to sell, when to buy, um, you know, keeping them up to date with market commodities and, you know, trying to foresee what, what's going to happen with those sorts of trends. Um, it's probably at the moment, especially like we've never seen better, better livestock commodities than, than what there is at the moment. So, and, and, and to top that off with, We've received rain after that drought, you know, within the past year. So we're seeing pretty much across most of New South Wales what is a fantastic season. So um, everything's looking pretty good at the moment. But that, you know, this this one year of of uh, of, of good uh, livestock prices and and um, sufficient rainfall doesn't doesn't really. Um, you know, cover for the last five or six years of drought that's been. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, for every kind of good year, you kind of it makes up. It well, it's, it doesn't make up, but yeah, slowly catches up for the last kind of how many years you've had of yeah of bad um, yeah weather and drought and that sort of thing. So yeah, and I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Um, you know, that are, that are looking uh, from the outside in. They say, oh well, you know, you, you've had rain, everything's looking green and good out there, and prices are good, so you must be right. But mm. yeah, yeah. Some of the stories that you you would have you would have seen on the news of blokes that have you know gone bankrupt and there were numerous blokes that had to sell their properties, yeah. which is you know that's that's your last resort. Yeah, um, it was it was it was horrible to see. It got to it, it got to the point where livestock was so poor that it was it was cheaper to shoot your livestock than to send them into the live in, into the into the sale yards and sell them. That's how that's how bad it was. Yeah, it's pretty nuts, and yeah, it's, it takes a massive toll on yeah your farm the farmer's livelihood and mental health and that sort of thing too because i've seen plenty of interviews and read plenty of stories about um you know those kind of uh situations and i can't remember there was a particular saying it was like once you what was it like once you shoot your first 10 it's not too bad that you know when you get to 20 it's not too bad but when you get to 40 or 50 it's just really getting getting hard to deal with and yeah i just could i just couldn't imagine yeah and you know when it when it comes i think it's a i couldn't tell you the stats on it but in terms of you know uh mental health and suicide within australia uh, i think I think a large uh, proportion of that comes from rural Australia. Oh, hundred percent. And and men and, and men and men in the country. That's that's where that's where majority of it happens. So yeah, yeah. Murrumbidgee's got the highest suicide rate in Australia when that goes to flow through the uh, Murray Darling Basin, particularly yeah. for those kind of reasons. Yeah. Until you've been out there and you witnessed, you know, uh, what it's like trying trying to make a living uh, through the drought. You you can't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, especially with things like uh, you know inflated water markets and foreign companies purchasing water licenses and that sort of thing. I recently had a chat yep. with um, Ron Pike, who's been involved with Australian Water for fifty years, and 
He's uh, you know been in touch with all kind of members of parliament. And, yeah, we we touch on a lot of these issues, and it really does have a detrimental effect on rural Australia, but also manipulates our water and food bowl too. So I mean, I've done a couple of trips over the last five years and seen some of these places like uh, Ningen, Walgett, Narrabri, that sort of thing firsthand. And you know, the lakes look unnaturally low. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's a mix of things being becoming politicised and also drought and just the whole impact it has on the community. But um. Yeah, I had a chat about that. Those kind of similar things in uh, in episodes beforehand. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty tough gig. Um, moving into a bit of some other uh, things you've been involved with in the area, with being in the inner town like Dubbo or similar, it seems a lot of people enjoy supporting and being a part of their local uh, recreational and sports clubs. How long have you been playing rugby union for in the Dubbo Kangaroos Rugby Club, and what do you get out of playing a sport weekly with a tight knit community? Community sport in Dubbo is is massive it's 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 huge like you you drive around on a saturday and every single oval in dubbo is chock-a-block and have got have got people on it like you you wouldn't find a spare oval uh which is which is great um i myself play rugby union i i've i've played that since uh, i can remember I've, I've i was just you know i was brought up i was brought up with rugby union and and i love it now um and i've been i'm currently playing with um, Dubbo Kangaroos, um, and I've been there for the last uh, since since I've moved back from Sydney. So last probably four years. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I missed out on this season. I had a major ankle reconstruction. Oh, I got one game in and and busted my ankle. So oh no. Uh, I went up went under the knife, and I, I still haven't fully recovered from that. I'm still doing rehab, so um, I should be right for 2022, hopefully. Um, but being uh, being being a part of that, like that Dubbo Rugby Club dates back to uh, uh, I think eighteen eighteen sixties. Whoa. Um, yeah, yes, it's it's a it's a seriously old club, and it's got a fantastic community. Like you, it's 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 hard to describe. Like it's it's a very homely feel when you turn up to a to a rugby match on a Saturday. Like it's it's a great group of people that turn up. Um, I think it's unreal for networking. Like I've I've. I've ended up getting a lot of business from blokes I've played footy against and footy with, okay. you know, just by having a yarn and having a beer, uh, you know, at the end of the game. Um, but sport for a lot of blokes is like, like, um, like I was telling you with, you know, uh, with my own training, like it's, it's, it's an escape from, from work. Yeah. You know, I think so many people get stuck in the nine to five and go home and then, you know, make dinner, go to bed and, I think community sport gives us something to look forward to. Breaks that cycle a bit. It does, mate. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of blokes, a lot of blokes do it year round. You know, they'll rugby will finish and they'll go straight into cricket, which is which is massive out here as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 awesome and it's just it's it's good for families as well. It just gives them an opportunity to get out, breathe a bit of fresh air. Not that there's not a lot of fresh air out here. There's heaps. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's a great way to bring the community together and, and, and to get to know, you know, especially when you've I've, I've played for Warren as well, and that's a much, much smaller community. And, you, you know, you know... Every person you drive past in the street, you know. Oh, right. It's that tight um, knit. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so I just, and I, and I think those sorts of events bring people closer together. So, um, and you see that once you get to finals, if you're lucky enough to make finals, and all of a sudden you've got more people turning up from the community and it's, you know, it's, you know, go ruse, yada, yada, yada. So it's, yeah, it's awesome, mate. I, I, I love it and I love being a part of it. And, I will can you know I'll play rugby till I can't play till my body doesn't allow me, <laughs> which is which is hopefully a few more years left in me because I'm starting to give out now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, very nice. So it's got a good social aspect, and you can make some lifelong friends, and yeah, it just gets a bit of your gets you out of your out of your office and will breathe in that kind of you know different kind of air, I suppose. And uh, yeah, sounds like yep. a lot of great benefits. That's um that's awesome. So a bit more about Dubbo. I've passed through it a couple of times on the way home from a couple of trips, but um, time and budget was always an issue on the tail end of some of my trips. So I'd love to hear more just about the place and what there is to do and just what makes it so unique from other small towns like it. Yeah, look, I think I think Dubbo, um, I think Dubbo does so well because it's 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 so central within the central west. Um, it's almost. It's almost the perfect mix of country and city. Um, you know, you've, there, there's there's enough facilities here to to be able to buy you know buy locally and not have to not have to shop online. Oh, great! Or you know, because if 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 you go further west of towns like Warren, where I'm from, then you've got you've only got like a single IGA supermarket. You might have a couple of pubs, a little a little warehouse that only stocks the you sort of the necessities. Um, and then you go to Dubbo, you know, and then you've got, you know, McDonald, you know, three McDonald's chains, you've got Bunnings, uh, you've got a mall with all your big W, Kmart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's appealing to a lot of people. There's just, there's, there's enough facilities here to cater yep. for, a, for such a larger crowd, I suppose. Um, you know, and, and Dubbo's got, plenty of tourist attractions like you know there's the old dubbo jail oh yeah um taronga western plain zoo which is probably the most well known yep um there's busloads of people turning up to the zoo every weekend oh wow um yeah yeah um 
not that there should be at the moment. Otherwise, they, I think they, they got. There was a case actually. I was about three or four weeks ago, and two busloads of Sydney siders turned up, and ah, they they walked in and they checked their IDs, and they were they were all from Sydney, and they went, no, nah, hang on. Yeah. So you, next minute, you've got bloody five police cars out there telling them that you know, oh, you've got to go straight home. So yeah. I'm not sure what world they were living in. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still got to play by the rules at this point. But you know, at, and and at the same time, because of because of the whole COVID situation, that's that's heavily impacting. Um, those those businesses like I've, I've got a mate that actually works out at the zoo she's one of she's one of the zookeepers and okay she's been she's only been cut she's been cut back to only two to three days a week now right um and she's not the only one don't worry like they i think they've they've done that to about 50 or 60 percent of the staff at, at the zoo oh wow but on top of that you know you've you've got stuff like um there's a few art galleries in the royal flying doctors museum oh i didn't know that yeah yeah um so there's yeah there's there's plenty of stuff to do here. Oh, very nice. What's um, what kind of makes the distinct differences in the culture between the country and city? Because I know that in country places I've been to in my travels, everyone takes an extra five seconds to say good day or help with directions and things similar. Could there be anything someone from either side could do to appreciate the other environment a little bit more? Yeah, look, I I, I I'm a massive one just for for talking to as many people as you can, because I just, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just believe, I just, I just believe you, you never know what you're going to get out of it. I think, mm. you know, you never know what opportunities are going to arise from the person you stop and have a yarn with. Um, I think every, every person that you walk past and, and don't walk to is an opportunity missed. But you know, when, when, when I came from, uh, when I came to first start my study um, in Manly, when I, when I came from Warren, uh, you know, I would walk the Corso of Manly and I would, I'd just be, you know, how you going, mate? What's going on, mate? And you'd just get people that wouldn't respond to you and just keep walking. And I'm going, how's these stuck-up bastards not yeah, saying it's a bit like that here. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, then, and then you yeah, come out here yeah. uh, <laughs> and you're considered rude if you walk past someone and don't say good day. Yeah, yeah, quite the opposite, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and and I, I think that's to I think that's large, largely to do with population size, you know? Like, you'd you'd walk past someone in, in Sydney and you'd, 90% of the time, you're, not, you're never going to see them again. Yeah, they're just another Joe Blow, I suppose. Yeah, it's a fair That's point. exactly yeah. right, mate. Yeah, so mm. you don't really feel obliged to, whether it's a smaller community, you're seeing people over and over again. Um, hence why I think, you know, we, we talk so much more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always a good Because yarn. we've got, we're, yeah, we've got to. But I just think, I just think there's a distinct difference in, you know, um, just, just the type of characters that are bred in the country as opposed to where there is in, in the city, yep, your, yeah, your typical, fair. your typical country lad or lass um, is always up for a yarn and will, t- and will chew your ear off, you know, as, as opposed to someone. Yeah. If you go to work and jump on a bus in Sydney and try and talk to someone, you know, they'll put their earphones in and just, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yep. I think, you know, yeah, like, oh, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, you understand what I'm saying. Like, um, Oh, hundred percent. There's not a, there, there's not the want, I don't think to, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Like I said, that the population size is probably the only reason I can, I can put it down to. But um, um, I'm not sure why. You know, I just think the world would be a better place if we were all, if we were all friendly enough to say good day and have a yarn. Yeah, the more conversations you have with people, half the time you, you're learning something new. You know, possibly every day or something. You know, or about someone that you might not have known or a different thing to check out or something that could help with your business or with the activity you're doing. And yeah, I was just going to say that's what what you said spot on. Like in in terms of 
not that I'm trying to focus this on business, but I've been in circumstances where I've just said, G'day, how you going? My name's Tim Beach and, you know, work for Raywalt. And then you'll start, work for Raywalt Rural, you start talking to them and then, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, you know, I've got a property out here, yada, yada, yada. And then next thing you know, you've got a bloke calling you a week later saying, oh, yeah, you know, I might, you mind if I sell my stock with you? And you just go, yeah, mate, no worries, you know. That's what it's all about. That's how the stars align, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, just, you know, uh, just with life as well. I think um, you're nice to people and it, it, what goes around comes around. 100%. Yeah. What's, uh, what are some of the things that kind of locals and tourists have done or continuing to do so to keep help, uh, to help keep uh, Dubbo thriving and keep people visiting? It's a great question. Um, social media has probably been, has played a large part in that. You know, when we were going through, when we were, we were only locked down for about two weeks right at the start of COVID when it sort of first came out. And that, that's about the worst that we got. Um, and the streets were literally like a ghost town here for, for those two weeks. Like everyone actually did what they were told, which is you wish you had more people like that. But um, once, once that ended and it came back, there was, there was people saying, you know, support local businesses because everyone, because it's a tight community, everyone talks to everyone and, and everyone could sort of, there was a big sense of empathy, I think, when it came to talking to people that own local businesses and you, you heard how tough they were doing it because, you know, sales were down and everyone started saying, you know, let's, let's, let's start to shop local. Let's, let's start to support the ones that are around us. Cause it's probably only going to benefit us as well. Cause it's, it, you know, it, it's funny, you know, if, if, if the morale is, is low within your community, you can, you can notice it like, and, and I've, I've seen that firsthand with the drought. Like there's a, there is a huge difference. And I mean massive from the feel in the community when we were in our, our big stint of the drought from, you know, 2017, 2016, right through till 2019. Um, to where now there's so much, there's so much confidence about everyone. The mood, you know, the mood's lifted because they can sort of, they can see something at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So especially yeah, with the rain and other things they've had to help assist, people uh, yeah, carry themselves a bit different and that community strength just keeps getting stronger by the sounds of it. Yeah, but you know, um, you know, to answer your question, I, I, just, I just think it's, I almost think it was just a bit of a word of mouth type thing. I think, yeah, I think there's, a, there, there, there's some strong ethical values out here that help contribute towards that. So. Oh, very good. Now, obviously, with this pandemic going on, we can't get workers from overseas to help out and keep our produce rolling through the shops. And when you add drought to this, as well as Dubbo, uh, in Dubbo and areas alike, uh, you know, they face some pretty big challenges. What kind of impact does that lack of workers have on um, some of these properties that, uh, you know, farm or different, all our different produce? And what kind of impact does that, along with the drought, have on a town like Dubbo? Uh, huge, mate, yeah. And, um, you know, when it, when it comes to obviously the two the two sort of main main events we have in a year cycle are, are sowing and harvest and a lot of and a lot of that work especially now because we're having such a good season um there's been a lot more crop that's been put in the ground um you know there's a lot more moisture within the ground so there's going to be a lot higher yielding crops um commodities for for wheat barley canola are, are starting to rise so that's that's only more of a reason for blokes to 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 put crop in and uh, we rely on a lot of those backpackers to come out because it's very seasonal work. Like it might last probably, you know, six, six to eight weeks, usually harvesters rolled in that sort of time period. 
and with COVID going on, they're obviously not allowing anyone to to migrate out to this way. So there's going to be a huge shortage of workers. So there's going to be a lot of blokes that are, you know, contractors and, and cockies themselves that are going to be working around the clock and probably having to put in, put in a few more yards and work a bit harder than what they would usually have to, to find workers. Otherwise, you, you know, uh, you, you can probably find a few workers, but then, you know, they start negotiating with price and, how much they're going to get paid. And that's where you, they sort of run themselves into a little bit of trouble, I think. So, yeah, I couldn't tell you how it's going to pan out. I'm, I'm very interested to see myself. But, you know, I think, I think they could probably, they, they can probably, probably afford to, to, to pay them a few more dollars an hour considering how good of a season it's going to be. So I think that goes part and parcel with it. Mm, yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of different places I've seen and uh, a lot of different farmers where they've been in their worst years and I can't just have, help but just have empathy for them and, was often kind of wondering if there's any other way that um, people from within the state uh, can he- kind of help out or put in six to eight weeks themselves and kind of go out there and substitute for the workers that have been overseas when they've, uh, you know, having workers that are kind of, you know, from the same kind of area. I've, I've always wondered if the kind of opportunity uh, would be there for uh, for people in New South Wales as well to kind of make up for the lack of uh, overseas workers. Yeah, I think... Um... It's a it's a tough one to manage, but um, the only sort of real solutions that I've heard of or that I've experienced is people that work casually um, that take the time during harvest or there has been instances where people have taken annual leave, taken their four weeks or however much annual leave yeah, okay. um, they want to use to go out and, and work harvest. I've seen that plenty of times and people just, people love to, People love to use it as just a bit of a, you know, a bit more of a cash flow, extra money in the bank because you can earn some, you can earn some seriously good money in that six to eight weeks of harvest time because you are going. So I've heard you're going flat out, mate. Like if you're sitting on a tractor, yeah. you almost hot seat it. You know, there's only a small frame where you stop harvesting because the moisture's too high from sort of maybe you know midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Then you might knock off for three or four hours, and then you're back oh, into okay. it at six o'clock in the morning. So yeah, I might do a bit more digging myself and see if I can uh, try and get one of those opportunities arising, or have kind of make a certain connection with certain people and get myself out there and give it a crack. Because um, yeah, I'd love to go out there for a change of experience and get out of the big smoke. It'd be a yeah. You can give me a call, mate. I'll find you a job. No worries if you want to come out. I'll, and I'll, get you, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, get get your contact after this chat. Well, yeah, 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 definitely get something planned out. That'd be great. <laughs> Have you done? Yeah, there'll be. Yeah, yeah. Have you done? Uh, have you yeah, done any out. other travels in Australia and uh, in through the outback? And if so, whereabouts have you been? And what have you been to? Yeah, some of your favourite kind of spots. Um, I've done a little bit of travel. I haven't. I haven't actually done a whole heap. And you know, it was my. It was. It was my plan to to go travelling. Um, before I actually started working where I am now. Like I've been in the 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 livestock stock and station agency game for uh, f- five years now. And initially I wanted to go traveling before that, but that sort of got put on hold and now COVID's happened and God knows when I'll be able to do that again. But um, I've, I've lived sort of in, in a few areas for a short period of time. Like I lived out in Broken Hill for a while. Oh yeah. Love Broken um, Hill. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was great. Like there's um, plenty of tourist attractions out there like you know you go out to the silverton hotel yeah and that's where they that's where they filmed all the original mad max movies uh, yeah the museums there as well yeah. yeah that's right that's right you know and then there's the the fred hollows um sculptures and the sculptures up on the hill not far out of town um and then i've you know i've traveled through there and i've been up to tipabara and cameron's corner 
sort of a little bit more remote. Uh, White Cliffs, I sort of did that all through my travels. My, I actually did it with my father. Oh, very nice. And another one of my mates and, and his father. So we went, we sort of went full driving and did a few. Um, have you heard of a Jim Carner before? No, I can't say I have. Yeah, Jim Carner's like it's it's like a it's like a race meeting. So we did a few Jim Carners um, out there and stayed out there and then uh, and travelled back. But it's um. Yeah, you've 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 got to be you've got to be prepared because there's <laughs> the facilities out there are pretty minimal. Like there's not much. To yeah, it. yeah, it's, it's fair. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Let it, yeah, well, if you're gonna do it, I'd go prepared. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was going to be one of my next questions. And what's uh, what kind of makes a good road trip? And is it, what kind of advice would you give for anyone to wanting to hit the road for the first time? Things to look out for and prepare for and all that sort of thing. Um, what makes a good road trip? I would I would say probably company is probably number one company would be number one my second one would be your playlist <laughs> that's going to be a big one um what what i think if you're going to go on a road trip like i think the more the more prepared you are the better um uh, i know a lot of mates that have that have done it and they've they've taken the time of you know uh, whether they buy a four-wheel drive or a van or and they deck it out completely and they they spend like probably four months doing that up and then yep. and then away they go and they seem to have the time of their lives because they can literally live out of their car. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, I'd love to do that one day as well. Um, I think the biggest issue is uh, time. You know, it's hard when you work a full-time yeah. job. Um, and, and I think if you go traveling, the most important thing is, or one of the most important things is, I don't, I don't think you should have a set agenda. Oh, yeah. If you're going to go traveling, I think you should just go and and where you go, you know, not know where you're going to go Get the next day. Room. I think that's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I, I think yeah. that's a fun way to approach it. So, um, yeah, when I when I eventually get the time, I'd love to do that. But you know, I'd I'd also probably love to. I'd almost want to get overseas first before I do that. Um, I've been up. Oh, I've been up to actually. I've been to Ayers Rock. I've done. I've done that before. That was good. Um, but I think there's only I think there's so much you can see within your own country before you before you then got to step it up a level, and that's obviously international travel. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, it's funny with the time as well. I'm finding now, uh, you know, yeah, the older you get, the more things you're involved in, the less time you have for yeah to put your feet up or to go out to a different destination and kind of yeah see some other things. So yeah, it really gets away from you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, I'd love to. Uh, the, the other reason for me wanting to travel is I'd love. I'd love to see how my line of work is also done overseas. Um, ah, that's very interesting. You know how cattle and sheep sales are conducted, and um, you know me being an auctioneer as well, I do that. Uh, I talk very fast. You know, I, yeah. I, uh, to give you an example, you know, you say you're selling your paddle. I go, you know, hundred get it, but hundred, hundred get it, but hundred, hundred get it, but hundred, hundred get it, but hundred now. <laughs> yeah, Whereas right. there, yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas over in America, they've got a completely different way of selling. Like you can almost, you can, you can hardly understand what you're saying. Yeah, I've seen a couple of, I've seen a couple of Texans, auctioneers, and yeah, they're yeah, different. yeah, they've they sound completely dynamic of their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they sound completely different to what we do, and they sort of, <laughs> they they sell uh, the the value that they that they are saying is what they want, whereas the value that we're saying is the value that we have. If that makes sense. Ah, yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 the difference that you can get caught out with there. Um, but I just love to get over and see, you know, the, how different cultures do that. And I was lucky enough to have, you know, 
to get a little bit of a taste of that through my study because ICMS was a study abroad college. So they had, we had, um, there was new influx of students come through there every three months and they were sort of mainly made up of Germans, Norwegians, Americans. Okay. Um, so that was good. And I remember taking about 10 Americans out to my farm and they were, they were like gobsmacked with, you know, they had no idea that's what Australian outback was. So Right. Yeah. You know, they were, they'd see wild kangaroos and emus running around and they couldn't believe it was a real thing. And, you know, <laughs> very nice. So it's been, yeah. So those opportunities have been, have been very good for me. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. Is there uh where, where can people find out more about a little bit about the work you've done or some stuff about Raywright Rural or some of your studies? Um, yeah, um, where I studied, um, ICMS, which is International College of Management, uh, they've got numerous, um, which is probably you'll talk a little bit about with Beck because um, Beck Wise, um, when I actually went, she she was the one that interviewed me. Oh wow! When I when I went, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So when I went for the interview, I had this bloody little country bloke, and I try, I got lost. I got off the ferry in Manly, and I saw I saw the. It's like a big. It looks like Hogwarts up on the hill. Yeah, it's and a I big just sort thing. of looked up and I was like, "All oh, right, that'll be pretty easy to get through." And then, and then I ended up cutting yeah. cutting through some woods, and I was like, "I was like, shit, I don't even know where I am." And then I <laughs> pop, popped out on the edge of a cliff somewhere, which was and then found my way into the castle. And then, yeah, she interviewed me and got me in there. So that's how we know each other. There you go. Oh, okay. Oh, that'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, chatting with her about that later in the series. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, look, if, if, if anyone else is interested, we've got a website, raywhiterural.com.au. Um, anyone can get into contact with me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, just search Tim Beach. I think my Instagram's Tim Beach 13 or something. Not that I use it that much, but I put up, a few, I put up you know, stories all the time, which is um, always in my line of work. So I'm out, whether I'm out mustering cattle or I'm auctioneering cattle or sheep or um i get a, i get a bit of feedback from all my sydney mates they love seeing all the auctioneering so oh very nice i'll have I'll to a, uh i'll put a little bit of that i'll up. have to scope and have a bit of a geese <laughs> yeah yeah tim it's been a pleasure i've had a really great time chatting about uh what we chatted about today we've had some really interesting topics and carved all through some uh yeah different kind of areas and um yeah good to get more of an insight about the rural life especially from a uh, auctioneer's perspective yeah thanks very much Tosin, for having me on it's been um it's been a pleasure you know i always I'll always jump at the opportunity to to uh, to rant and rave about you know my line of work and what I'm passionate about. So um, hopefully, hopefully um, for those that are listening, um, it, it might be a little bit of motivation to come out and, and experience the rural life and, and see what it's all about. And hopefully, uh, there's a little bit you know in turn of that comes a bit of appreciation for what goes on out here. So thank you very much for having me on. No worries, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Too easy. Thank you very much. Cheers. Catch you later. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 